I also brought along a little visual aid today for the uh, the message, and it's a it's actually a new tennis racket that I bought back in the uh, fall. I used to play tennis a lot when I was younger, but I haven't played much in about 30 years, so I probably needed some new equipment. I figured, and uh, so. But the thing about tennis is that you can have all the right equipment. You know, you can try to stay in shape. You can understand how to swing the racket and where you should stand on the court and lots of other things. But the minute that you take your eye off the ball, something happens. (laughs) And uh, my point here is that uh, you can have all the right gifts spiritually You can have all the right equipment, but if you forget one thing, it doesn't matter. None of the rest of it matters. And that's what Paul is talking to us about here in 1 Corinthians 13. He interrupts his uh, explanation of spiritual gifts and instruction in chapters 12 and chapter 14 with uh, this digression, which is so important for us to understand. And uh, so Paul is saying, listen, if you have all these gifts, but you don't have love, then they're not going to amount to anything. There'll be very little value. So keep your eye on the ball if you are playing tennis. And uh, lots of other Mistakes can be forgiven on the tennis court, but that one cannot. And keep your eye on the ball as you pursue the Christian life, because the most important thing is to remember to love each other. And uh, let's read what Paul has to say here about love. And he talks first about the priority of love. That love is the most important thing in the world. Verse three, or verse chapter thirteen, verse one. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all I have. And if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Let's stop there for a minute and just talk about the priority of love. Here he mentions some examples of spiritual gifts. I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries, have knowledge, understand all mysteries and faith so as to move mountains. So he lists four or five gifts there. And he says, he's not saying that those gifts are unimportant. He is not saying we should forget about them. For heaven's sake, he spends two chapters telling us how they should be used in the church. What he is saying is that without a heart of love, these gifts are of really no value. And, uh, you know, what, what does he mean by love? The word that's used here in the Greek is agape. Maybe you've heard it before. But the Greeks had, you know, four or five different words for love. 
And uh, this particular word describes a sort of unconditional love. And I, I think it's one way to define it is just to say that love is a selfless concern for the welfare of other people without regard to their lovability. Without regard to their lovability. See, I, I could love my brother or my sister or my wife or my children. The Greeks have a different word for that. But when they use agape, when Paul uses agape love, he's talking about, listen, you are committed to loving somebody regardless of how lovable they may be. Regardless of your connection with them. Regardless of what other obligations you might have. So, I always say to people, you don't have to like me, but you have to love me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to like people, but we do have to love them. That's what this this passage is is telling us. Um, It was... It was uh, Tim Keller who wrote a little book called The Meaning of Marriage. And there's one chapter in there called uh, Loving the Stranger, which sounds like a strange title for a chapter in a book on marriage. But his point is that we're today I'm not married to the same person I married, you know, 40 years ago. My wife is different. She's better. <laughs> but uh she is a totally different person than she was when I married her. And so periodically throughout our marriage, you know, we wake up, we look at the person next to us and we say, who is this person that I married? And, you know, life circumstances, you grow older, you have children, you know, jobs change, outside factors shape who we are. We discover that we're married to a stranger. And so we need to learn to love that person all over again. That's agape love. Love is not an emotion. Not this kind of love. It's a choice. It's a choice, not an emotion. And so uh, this is is the love that that Paul is talking about here. And, um, And so love... That kind of love is the most important thing in the world. And, uh, you know, you succeed at, at, if you succeed in life in, in every way, but you fail in l- learning this kind of love, your life is a failure. And you may fail in lots of ways. But if you succeed in learning to love in this way, then at the end of your life, you, you can look back with satisfaction because you've lived a great life, a very successful life in the most important way. So love is the most important thing. Love's priority. First three verses here of this this, this chapter. And Paul goes on to, to, to explain, okay, what does that look like? And how do we know, you know, uh, whether we're loving in this way or not? So he gives us a profile of, of love. And in verse 4, he starts like this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. 
It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So Paul gives us a profile here of love. And he is choosing attributes that that uh, they, this list here of, I, I forget how many things there are, I think there's 16 or 17 things. Some are negative, some are positive. But this is representative. It's not meant to be a comprehensive description of love. Um, he's, he's choosing aspects of love based on what he sees as being the deficits in the life of the church at Corinth. And... So he he's uh, but but when you read the list, you realize, well, that's he's hitting on a lot of things that apply to me, too. So uh, I compiled a, a, a list for you there in um, in the bulletin insert that, that you received. If you have a bulletin, if you don't, there's extra ones in the back. I'm sure eventually you can pick one up at the end of the service. But and I don't want you to necessarily do it now. Uh, but I listed the, the attributes of love that Paul uh, lists here. And I gave a short little definition of what each word means. Uh, you know, the, this is simplistic. It, the words have an expanded meaning to them, but it gives you the gist of what they mean. And so I encourage you to, when you get alone and when you have some time, and the inclination to sit down and prayerfully work through this list. And, uh, you know, if somebody said, why don't you have a point value for each column? And I thought about that. But, you know, then you could give yourself a score and see whether you got an A or B or C. And uh, but I thought that's not a good idea because <laughs> uh, it's against the whole spirit, really, of, of this passage. But uh I, I think the thing that helped me when I went through it was to see, okay, where do I have check marks that are on the right side of this little grid? And those are the things that maybe I need to work on. And everybody starts, you know, at a different place in their, in their walk with Christ. So some people are naturally loving and maybe you had good examples of love growing up and so these things come a little easier for you and others uh, of us maybe didn't have those advantages and so you know we've got more checks on the right side of the column than than other people so i i don't think it's fair for us to compare and say well I, you know you got a b and i got a d you know on on this little survey so uh, as Billy Sunday once put it, he said, I'd rather be uh, one step out of hell headed for heaven than one step out of heaven headed for hell. So uh, wherever you're starting from in this business of love, this chart gives you an opportunity to get better. OK, that's all. And uh, life is a journey. So uh, pick one or two things and say, you know, that's an area where I could use some work. And then, you know, pray and ask God to help you. 
And how do I get better, though, at patience or kindness or not being so arrogant? And, you know, how do I learn to tolerate, you know, certain people a little bit more readily? Um, and I, I think it, it comes down to basically one word, and that's practice, practice, practice. It's simple, but once you've labeled what it is that you're working on, it, it, you know, God will give you ideas of how to practice getting better at it. So I know I do this a lot in, in my uh, in my ministry, you know, I. I'm supposed to be a pastor, but sometimes I don't feel really very pastor-like, uh, you know, in a situation. So I, I think, oh, I, I, as a pastor, I'm supposed to do that. Or I, I'd really like to tell this person what I'm thinking and feeling right now. And uh, I have kept my job for a, a long time, so I don't think I've made that mistake too many times. But what I tell myself is when I get those unpastoral feelings... Say, okay, if I was a good pastor, if I was a good pastor, what would I do? Or what would I say? And, uh, you know, sometimes that works. So this is what you could say to yourself. If I was a loving person or if I was not an arrogant person or if I was not an impatient person person, if I was a kind person, etc., etc., what would I do or say in this situation? And then practice doing it. Everybody can do that. Now, we're going we're gonna to stumble and fall, you know, for the rest of our lives we will, but we can get better. You might be thinking, well, I, I'm never going to live up to this profile. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. You're already better than you were when you met Christ. I can guarantee it. And, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, John, John says one day we're going to see Jesus face to face. And when we see him, we will be like him. So this process of transformation will have a successful conclusion. And so this life is like a training ground. And I think God just wants us to get as good as we can get. You know, before we see him face to face. And uh, why? Why is love so important? Uh, and and I, I think we we uh, I, I think the answer to that is, is pretty simple because that's who God is. And, 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 you know, God has lots of attributes. But if there's one defining characteristic of God's heart, it's that he is love. In the Old Testament, you know, that, that's the mantra that, that, you know, God spoke to Moses when he appeared to Moses and he said, I am the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Abounding in love, abounding in loving kindness. And you read this again and again and again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Paul prays that our hearts might be enlightened, that we might know what is the height and the depth, the length and the breadth of the love of God in Christ, which is beyond our ability to comprehend. And uh, so that's who God is. And so 
the assignment he's given to us as his children is to bear his image. Look like God. Jesus said, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. One of the early church fathers said, every true Christian practices being God. And the church is meant collectively to bear the image of God. So to the extent that we love, like Paul's been talking about, we are bearing God's image. To the extent that we don't love, we are distorting that image and failing in our uh, creative purpose, in the destiny to which we've been assigned. So, this is love's profile. And it behooves us to, 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 to work conscientiously and with, with great determination to get better at this. Keep your eye on the ball. I used to teach tennis when I was younger. And constantly saying, you know, people swing at the ball and they miss. And a lot of times it's because they weren't keeping their eye on the ball. Your footwork can be all screwed up. You know, you can be in the worst shape in the world. But if you're watching the ball, you're going to hit it most of the time. So, so keep your eye on the ball. Love is the most important thing in the world and it's the most important thing for us to learn how to do. And the last part of this chapter talks about love's permanence. And here Paul says the, these words. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I think the point he's making here is very simple. That, that, you know, the, the spiritual gifts have an expiration date. And it's when Jesus comes back. We're not going to need to know how to prophesy or to speak in tongues or we won't need gifts of knowledge. We won't need gifts of teaching. We won't need gifts of giving. We won't need gifts of discernment. We're, 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 we're going to be seeing him face to face. Now, I think as a child, when I grow up, I will give up childish ways. We won't even need the Bible don't shoot me up here, but uh, <laughs> I love the Bible. But we will not even need this book because we're going to see Jesus face to face. Paul says, now we see in a mirror dimly. And uh, Corinth was the, the, the place where they manufactured the finest bronze mirrors 
in the ancient world. So this was a, 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 a metaphor that Paul draws from the, the, the current culture. And, and you could actually, they say in those mirrors, see yourself pretty clearly. But his point here is that it's still a reflection. And the spiritual gifts and, and the other things that we know about God are learned mostly in this life by indirection. Even in the Bible, we're, we're reading words on a page that were written down and, 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 and uh, our understanding of this book is imperfect. And, and so now we see in a glass somewhat dimly. But, uh, you know, it's like having a photograph. But when the day comes, we won't need the photograph anymore because we'll have the person. We'll be able to talk to Jesus whenever we want. The one thing that will remain the same as it is now is that life will be characterized by love. Because this is the heart of God. I don't know all the details about you know, what we'll be doing uh, in the age to come. I'm sure it will be very exciting. Eye has not seen nor has ear heard what God has prepared for those that love Him. God has stored up His goodness to be poured out on all those that, that uh, draw near to Him. So, uh, so we've got some great things to expect. But the one thing we know is that, that, that it's going to be an environment where love is spoken. And so we need to get in shape. And uh, I, I like to hike in the mountains in the summertime. I missed the last year or two, but one thing I do is I, I, I keep trying to go to the gym. I need to, I need to get in shape. I need to keep my legs so I can get up those mountains. My capacity to enjoy that kind of adventure is r- relative to my fitness. And our capacity to really enjoy the age to come when Jesus comes back, is going to be relative to our fitness. And that will be gauged by our ability to love. So this life is a gym. Planet fitness, if you want to use the phrase. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we need to get in shape. Don't forget about the gifts. They're important. Paul spends two chapters explaining to the church about the gifts. But... Above all, don't neglect to learn how to love. Love is the priority. And love is permanent. It's forever. It's everlasting. No expiration date. There's a a beautiful little children's book called The Velveteen Rabbit. And in this book, the little stuffed bunny uh, grows up to magically become a living, uh, a living rabbit. And uh, it happens because uh, he becomes he, he becomes real because he was loved day in and day out by this little boy. And uh, we become more real, I think. When we experience uh, the love of others and when we pray.
practice loving others, we become more real too. Without love, our life is a mere shadow of what God created us to be. But when we love, we become uh, what God made us to be and fulfill. Uh, we begin to fulfill the great destiny that He created us to fulfill. So remember, uh, love is the most important thing. Keep your eye on the ball. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance we've had to reflect on this passage and for the clear and eloquent reminder that Paul gives to us here. And Lord, we pray that you'll forgive us for the, the many ways in which we continue to struggle to be loving people. And Lord, help us to get better. Not to be perfect, but to get better at loving. At living more like you and looking more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.